walk will happen. His language was not of complaint, it was simply a declaration of that reality. All of us are going to go through valleys. All of us here, I'm sure, have gone through valleys. Uh, it's, it's going to happen. The first type of valley would be uh, valleys of circumstance just from living in the fallen world. We live in a fallen world ever since Adam and Eve sinned. I'm sorry to break the news to you, but this world is under the curse of sin. It's a fallen world. And, and therefore, since we live in a fallen world, we're going to face valleys like, like illness, such as cancer, uh, seems to be just becoming more and more prevalent in our, in our society. So that's, that's a valley that some of us have gone through. We've got loved ones that have gone through that. Um, even maybe some of you in this room are going through it at this very moment. And that's a valley that, that God leads us through. Uh, a second type of valley from living in this fallen world would be harm from one person to another. We, uh, we live in a sinful, broken world. That means there's sinful, broken people, and they do sinful things that breaks others. Dysfunctional families. Children being abducted at our own border. I highly encourage all of you, there's a movie uh, that's going to start showing starting tomorrow, Monday, July 3rd. It's called Sound of Freedom. In fact, I showed the trailer for this video two and a half years ago when I was giving a sermon. I said, yep, I'll let you know when it's coming out. It has been suppressed for nearly three years because they know when the general public sees this, there's going to be outrage. There's going to be demand for change in a good way. So those who don't know about it, uh, Jim Caviezel, who played Jesus in The Passion of the Christ, has been trumpeting this. He's been working directly with Tim Ballard, uh, an, an ICE, ICE agent, a uh, guy that goes around and busts up these rings that are abducting children and doing awful things to them. I won't share the details just because of young ears, but uh, really bad. But anyway, uh, so they made a movie about this real-life story about Tim Ballard who goes and saves these kids. Uh, it's, it won't be an easy movie for a lot of us to watch, but if, if nothing else, I, I encourage you to consider it, especially if you don't know much about it. You'll have to do some of your own research to, to see the content. There's going to be some difficult things that some of you have maybe never heard about. And of course, once you find out about some of these things, you can't really just get that out of your mind. So you'll have to make your own decision. But the fact of the matter is, this is a valley that's happening in our own country. There's children being abducted and sold into slavery. There are, there are six million children slaves throughout the world today. Just children. I think there's like, I think they say there's 26 or 27 million people who are in slavery today. You know, some of it's labor, some of it's uh, other things. Anyway, that's another valley. Uh, harm, harm for one person or another. A third, a third valley from our fallen world would be disaster. You know, we've got mudslides, we've got hurricanes. Our, uh, my co-pastor Bob is still working to recover from uh, Hurricane Ian that wiped out their place down in Fort Myers Beach. It's been, it's been a lot of work. I grew up at Cottonwood Community Church in Grand Forks, and I was a eighth grader, I believe, when I had to sandbag during the Great Flood of 1997. And uh, that, that was a disaster that uh, completely ruined our church basement. Um, many, many people lost their homes. One of our pastors uh, in, in Grand Forks, uh, Tom Dunham, and that, that, was, that was a very difficult valley for many of us. I know down here in Fargo, uh, there was a uh, flood. I mean, it wasn't as bad as Grand Forks, but, but still, I, I know there's been floods here as well. So, so we, we face disaster. Okay. Secondly, uh, there's valleys that are brought on by sinful behavior. So the first type of valley, valleys just from being in a fallen world. 
Second type of valley would just be brought on by sinful behavior. Um, there could be self-induced illness or disease. Perhaps a person that's living a promiscuous lifestyle and they contract a disease or a, a, a glutton that eats himself or herself into failing health. That's, that's another, another valley that one brings on by their own behavior. And then the third type of valley are valleys that happen because we face opposition for living as biblical disciples. There's a special honor that goes with this type of valley. Valleys that happen because we face opposition for living as biblical disciples. So th- this, is what, this is what Abdeweli's story reflects. That's the type of valley that he went through. The Bible calls this suffering for the, na- for the sake of Christ's name or suffering for righteousness' sake is what the Bible calls that. For example, Matthew 5, 11. You know, blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven, for they persecuted the prophets who were before you. That's Matthew 5, 11 and 12. There, there's an honor uh, when, when we suffer for Christ's name. Uh, some other references you could uh, look at. I don't have time to read all these, but Acts 5, 41, Romans 8, verse 17. Uh, here's a couple out of 1 Peter. This is 1 Peter 3, 14. Here's what the Bible says about suffering. 1 Peter 3.14, But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. And then 1 Peter 4.16, one chapter later, it says, Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed. Because... Uh, well, lost my spot. Yeah, if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in, in that name. Uh, Philippians 1.29, another good reference for that. Uh, secondly, Jesus called every biblical disciple to a life of dying to self as we carry our cross daily. Jesus calls us to a life of suffering. What's it say? What does the Bible say about that? Luke chapter 9, verse 23. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. That's, that's what Jesus says. If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily. Jesus told his closest followers that trouble would follow their faithfulness. John 16, In the world, you will have tribulation. You will have trouble. Are, are you today, Christian, are you facing tribulation and trouble because of your faith? Jesus said that we would. So if we're not facing, I mean, we don't go looking for trouble, but if you're not facing trouble and tribulation for your faith, you might want to ask yourself, Jesus, what more can I do to live my life for you and carry my cross daily? The early church experienced opposition for the activity of their faith, and that included uh, the valleys of arrest, Acts chapter 4, beatings, Acts 16, 22 through 23, imprisonment, Acts 5, 17 through 18, Acts 16, 24, and even death. And we see that in Acts 7, verses 54 through 60, the stoning of Stephen, the first martyr. They died for their faith in the early church. Let's talk about the pace of the valley. So we're still in that first section, the inevitability of the valley. So we just talked about even though different types of valleys. Now we're going to talk about the pace, the pace of the valley. So let's look at those words from... uh, Psalm 23, verse 4, where it says, I walk. 
I walk. Let's talk about that. So the shepherd psalmist was familiar with walking, keeping up with sheep daily, trained his ability to walk difficult terrain. My wife and I, keeping, wa- keeping watch after sheep daily, has trained us to walk on difficult terrain, like a hallway that's covered in Lego pieces or, blo- or blo- blocks that are strewn around upstairs. Every day I'm walking along and, ah, stepped on something. So uh, I'm getting some good calluses on my feet from following these, these sheep around uh, every day, my, my, my wife as well. But, but think about that. The, the shepherd had to go on difficult terrain, did he not? His, his pace afforded him the ability to reserve energy to endure the rigors of his daily shepherding demands. The biblical disciple or sorry, for biblical disciples who are facing persecution, there is often not an easy or quick resolution. Um, unlike these 30-minute television shows where the problem uh, is always resolved by the end of the show. At least that's how it used to be when they were more wholesome. I don't, I don't even watch TV anymore. So much garbage. But uh, Therefore, our endurance can be tested when we walk the valley, when, when, we, when we walk at that pace. It's not a race. However, for Christians, the pace of the valley walk is accomplished by the presence of the God of all comfort. We can't walk it on our own. We need the presence of the God of all comfort, as it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3, where it talks about the God of all comfort. Uh, God's presence allows us to embrace a joy that is untenable to a watching world. The circumstances of our lives don't dictate whether we are joyful. I was just at somebody's house. Oh, I think it was the Leggetts. Yeah, and there was a, a sign that said, choose joy. Like, man, that's great. I need to do that more. Just, okay, choose joy. Choose joy. It's not dependent on our circumstances. Instead, the presence of Jesus Christ, our Lord, affords us the privilege of a joyful walk no matter what. Obviously, easier said than done, isn't it? To, to be joyful in, in any circumstance. Uh, Some other references, uh, Psalm 138, verse 7, Though I walk in the midst of trouble, you preserve my life. Job, chapter 29, verse 3, By his light, I walked through darkness. If anybody had a rough go in life, it was Job. It was Job. He lost pretty much everything except his life. Here's a quote from Charles Spurgeon. He wrote... The Treasury of David, a very comprehensive uh, commentary on the Psalms. So this is from The Treasury of David, Volume 1, page 355, in case you're bored this afternoon and you want to look it up. Um, so here's what he says. Yea, though I walk. See, he, he used that other version. What is that? K, K- oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, hey, we got, hey, we got some KJV people here. That's great. No, he, he used the King James Version, so his version says, Yea, though I walk. Okay, and then here's what Spurgeon says about that. As if the believer did not quicken his pace when he came to die, but still calmly walked with God. Think about that. Still calmly walked. It says, yea, though I walk. To walk indicates the steady advance of a soul which knows its road, knows its end, resolves to follow the path, feels quite safe, and is therefore perfectly calm and composed. The dying saint is not in a flurry, 
He does not run as though he were alarmed, nor stand still as though, the, as though he would go no further. He is not confounded nor ashamed and therefore keeps to his old pace. Isn't that profound? So that's the pace of the valley. Let's talk about now the darkness of the valley, the darkness of the valley. Let's look at those next words of the verse. So we did, even though I walk, and now the valley of the shadow of death. The valley was the most vulnerable place for the shepherd psalmist, a place where danger lurked. The setting sun could not illuminate the recesses of the valley, and darkness increased his awareness of danger. For biblical disciples facing persecution, the valley is painful, hard, and can even end in death. Some translations do not use the phrase shadow of death, but translate the Hebrew word tsalmawathus, and they translate it to as the darkest valley instead of the shadow of death. So that's another way you could read that. Even though I walk through the valley, the, the darkest valley. Some of us have been in very dark valleys. The dark valley walk is, an ordained, is as ordained of God as the abundance of the green pasture. Have you ever thought about that? I'm going to say that again. The dark valley walk is as ordained of God as the abundance of green pasture. Look at the psalm. It says, yep, he makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, it's all part of God's plan. He brings us to green pastures. He brings us through valleys. Here's an illustration of that. Um, for many of our persecuted Christian brothers and sisters, their experience can only be described as a dark valley. So uh, Helen, an Eritrean Christian, was imprisoned for nearly three years in a shipping container for the activity of her faith, evangelizing, singing, discipling, preaching. She served others out of the reservoir of love that Christ had shown her. The extreme conditions, can you imagine that being in a shipping container? The extreme conditions, heat, rodents, lice, and even the mental illness of a fellow inmate could not thwart her belief and trust in Christ. Though the valley was dark and the torment was real, she proclaimed the Lord's goodness by singing praise despite the pain, isolation, and persecution. Yeah, Helen from Eritrea. Wow. And then last part of the inevitability last part of the inevitability of the valley is the victory of the valley. So we talked about the pace of the valley, the darkness of the valley, and now we're going to talk about the victory of the valley. So look, look at those words from Psalm 23, 4. Through the valley. Some of you guys are wondering, hey, pastor, you skipped a couple words there. Well, we're going to talk about it now. Through the valley. Through the valley. Say it with me, church. Through the valley. Okay, now say it with a tone of victory. Through the valley. There we go. Wake up. The shepherd psalmist saw victory as he continued the valley walk, knowing that getting through the valley brings life. Getting through the valley brings life. So when confronted with the valleys of life, we don't often equate the experience with the concept of victory, do we? However, there is hope in the word through. The psalmist, inspired by the Holy Spirit as he penned this song, didn't, didn't choose that word randomly. 
Through indicates that the valley of the shadow of death does not, for the one trusting in the shepherd, still love that painting, the one trusting in the shepherd, it, it, it means that it, it doesn't end in death. We go through the valley. God provides victory to the one trekking this dark valley, either in this life or in eternity. He gives us victory. In either scenario, the disciple has experienced victory in the valley walk. I find that very comforting. We will all have that victory one day as the shepherd leads us through the valley. God's purposes are not thwarted in the valley walk of biblical disciples. He accomplishes everything he intends. Um, once again, back to, back to Abdeweli. Abdeweli's valley walk was arduous, strenuous, and enduring. Yet as he remained faithful to his calling, there was a tremendous victory for the purposes of Christ. Okay, um, next section. I will fear no evil. This is in your bulletin. Well, let's talk about this. I will fear no evil. What is the origin of the evil that each of us faces? Well, there's a couple. One, once again, we live in a fallen world. This world is not what God intended it to be. Because of the destruction of sin that was introduced by Adam and Eve's disobedience, everyone and everything in creation is stained by that sin. Talks about that in Romans 5, verses 12 and 19, Romans 8, verses 18 through 23. Uh, secondly, what, what, other, what other evil do we face? Well, there's our enemy, Satan, the devil. Satan is called the father of lies. He's seeking only to kill, steal, and destroy, as it talks about in John uh, chapter 10, verse 10. A couple other references for that would be John 8, 44, Ephesians 6, 12 through 13. Our family's memorizing that this summer, Ephesians 6, verses 10 through 20, um, that we might be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. And then thirdly, we, our own flesh. So we face the world, we face Satan, and we face our own flesh, these three sources of evil. Any of our human desires or affections that do not submit to dependence upon the Holy Spirit will not glorify Christ. Paul talks about that struggle, Romans 7, 14 through 25. What choices do we make regarding fear? Okay, so we've got these three sources of fear. What choices do we make? Remember, we're talking about, I will fear no evil. Well, how do we do that? So we talked about, we've got three types of evil. What choices do we need to make regarding our fear? Well, first, fearing other people is a trap because they hold no power over biblical disciples. Man does not hold any power over us. Uh, Proverbs 29, 25, the fear of man lays a snare. Hebrews 13, 6, Psalm 118, 5 through 9 talks about this. It's a trap to fear other people. Fearing circumstances that only God controls is fertile ground for worry and anxiety. Not too hard to get worried and anxious when we're following what's going on in the world today, is it? Oh my goodness. Uh, some of the headlines I see, news stories I listen to, it, it can be overwhelming. It can create fear. But Jesus commands us to not be anxious, doesn't he? He's like, don't, don't worry about what you're going to eat or what you're going to wear. He talks about that in Matthew 6.34. Philippians 4, 6-7. Do not be anxious about anything. 
But in, but in everything, through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. We're commanded to not be anxious. And if, anyone, if anyone's good at worrying around here or getting anxious, guess what? You can also be good at meditating on God's truth, because that's all worry is. It's, it's dwelling on a thought frequently that hasn't even happened yet, and then playing it over and over in your mind again and again. Whereas when we meditate on God's truth, like, like the truth from today, God is with us no matter what the circumstances. Think about that. Okay, Paul, God is with us no matter what the circumstances. God will provide food for those he loves. That's a uh, a verse I found in Psalms lately, things, things like that. And I, I have to claim these promises and play that in my head over and over to not be anxious. We need to trust God in all situations. That's another choice regarding field. We, we, we need to trust God. Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your paths straight. Psalm 55, verse 22. Isaiah 41, Verse 10, uh, some other good ones in, in trusting God in all situations. You know, when communist authorities in Romania forced Richard Wormbrand, he's the founder of Voice of the Martyrs, if you didn't know, uh, they forced Richard Wormbrand into a van as he walked to church on February 29th, 1948. He had a good reason to be scared, but he remembered something that morning that calmed his fear. This is what he said. I knew that I faced questioning, ill treatment, possibly years of imprisonment and death, and I wondered if my faith was strong enough. I remembered then that in the Bible is written 366 times, once for every day of the year, even a leap year, don't be afraid. 366 times, not merely 365, there's 366 even to account for the leap there. And isn't it interesting, he was arrested on leap day, 1948. So he says, and this, and this was February 29th, a coincidence that told me I need not fear. Of course, we know it wasn't coincidence, but, and that, that's from, uh, in, it's called In God's Underground by, by Richard Wormbrand. He talks about that. I think the verse he quoted when he was arrested by the Securitate, the, the secret police in Romania, uh, was, was Psalm 56.3. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. And he, and he knew that, Psalm 56.3. Last section, for you are with me. For you are with me. Let's look at the word you. The God who is with me. That's who you is, God. Think about the nature and character of the God whom the shepherd psalmist describes is present in this valley walk. One, he's almighty God. He's almighty God. Genesis 17, 1, 28, 3, 43, 14, and 48, 3. All in Genesis, the almighty God, or the Lord of hosts, all powerful. Uh, second, he's master, Lord. Genesis 8, 3, 27, 30 through 32. talks about him as master, Lord. Exodus 4, verse 10. Joshua 7, 8. And then thirdly, Emmanuel, which means God with us, right? Talks about that in Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, 2 Chronicles 32, 8, and Isaiah 8, verse 10. For God is with us. For God is with us. 
So he, he's Almighty God, he's Master Lord, and he's Emmanuel. That's, that is the you in that verse, for you are with me. Isn't that powerful? That's who you is. So here's a question. Pause and think about the nature and character of God. He's the Lord of hosts. He's Lord. He's Emmanuel. Think about that. Who, who has he re- revealed himself to be in your life during your own valley walk? Who has he revealed himself to be? Is he sufficient in all things? Is he healer? Is he provider? Is he savior? The correct answer would be yes to all of those questions. Yes, that is who is with you. That's who's with you. Let's look at those words. Um, are with me. Are with me. So what was the result of the shepherd psalmist's realization that God is with him during the darkness of the valley walk. What was the result? Well, the rest of the chapter details it, but let's summarize it here. So here is the result. One, we've got provision. So now, this, and this is straight out of the uh, 23rd Psalm. I put, it, I put it down in the bottom of your notes there. I don't have the verse numbers marked out, but, but all of these answers I'm telling you right now can be found within Psalm 23. So what's the result? of the shepherd's realization, he realizes, I've got provision. That's in verses one and five, provision. He's leading my life. The second one, that's in verses two and four. Restoration, we receive restoration. That's in verse three. Comfort, another result. uh, Verse four of Psalm 23. Um, God's presence, another result from from verse four. Uh, Goodness and mercy, We receive goodness and mercy, verse 6. And then uh, eternity in the house of the Lord, also verse 6. So so all these things are a result of God being with us in Psalm 23. Abdueli, once again, this year's uh, featured Christian martyr. Abdueli, like the shepherd psalmist, received the blessing of God's presence even in the face of death. Because God was with him, Abdueli continued to serve the Lord faithfully, even praying, sorry, paying the ultimate price, giving his life for the sake of Christ. So how does Abdueli's example inspire you today? Not to mention the hundreds, thousands of other martyrs who have died for their faith, perhaps even millions. So once again, the big idea, big idea today, no matter what we face, God is with us. No matter what we face, God is with us. I need that truth in these days. You need that truth in these days. God is with us no matter what we face. That's encouraging. Uh, I'd like to stand with a corporate prayer, and we are simply going to pray by reading out loud Psalm 23. So if you'd please join me in that, and stand, if you're able to stand uh, stand, and we're going we're gonna to close simply by praying Psalm 23 together. Um, after we're done praying, uh, you may be seated again. I'll, I'll set up uh, the items for communion. We're going to partake in the Lord's Supper today. If you do have a relationship with Jesus Christ, we invite you to join us for that. Um, if you don't, you may remain seated, or if you need to refrain for any reason, that's okay. Uh, we'll have two options. I'll put the table here. If you'd like, like, like we did a month ago, we're kind of trying this out since we've got uh, the location to do this, but we'll, we'll put the, the communion elements up here. If you'd like to just take them and have them back at your seat, that's fine. 
if you would like to come up and kneel and take uh, the Lord's Supper that way, you may do that as well. So, so it's up to you. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll partake in the Lord's Supper after we read Psalm 23 out loud. Let's read it together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen.